Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. Today, I have a good friend from childhood, a sports journalist, sports enthusiast, Anthony Bruno. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you? Bruno, you and I have known each other since we were kids, probably eight years old. What was it, grade three? And yeah, no, grade three. Yeah, right? We've been childhood buddies. Uh, you know, we've grown up. We've uh, gone to high school together, elementary school, whatever have you. Um and honestly, it's such an honor to like bring guests like yourself from my past onto the podcast. Um, some of the audience members have noted that uh, that's almost like a pattern, but I can't help but be interested in your lives. Yeah, big part of it, pretty much. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, a big thing for me that I'm always thrilled about, Anthony, is like the idea of having a conversation uh, with someone I've known for so many years and discussing now their journey in the time we spent apart you know, because so many of those formative years have shaped you and changed you the years that I haven't witnessed or been around for. Would you agree? Yeah, that's 100% true. I feel like reconnecting with someone that you grew up with after a time apart is always different and growing experience, really. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, like we last uh, ran into each other one on one because we follow each other's pages, we support each other. Um, we were at the you know, popular uh, fast food establishment, uh, Champions Donair. And honestly, just interacting with you and seeing from your perspective, like how much the podcast meant to you and how much I've developed it uh, mm. was really surreal for me. But it was also highly flattering because you don't really realize the progress unless you hear it from an another source, right, from an outside perspective. Um, and what I mean by that is I always like kind of see me just, you know, doing my thing. You know, I get my guests on, I do the podcast, I produce it, I distribute it and that's it. And then it's only until like someone like yourself or the other day, someone at the gym came up to me, same thing, right? I've known them all my life, you know, and they just say, yo, what you're doing with the podcast is sick. Um, great job. And you know, me always uh, looking, seeking an opportunity, uh, saying to myself, Hey, you want to be on the podcast? Uh, you want to talk about, uh, your journey? You want to share some insights? And I really commend you on being a great sport, no pun intended, on coming on the podcast, <laughs> on coming on the podcast buddy. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. Perfect, buddy. So, yeah, when we were discussing, when we were catching up at uh, the Champions Donair, you know, that brief conversation we had, um, it was very interesting, kind of, uh, you were discussing your new uh, career direction um, in sports journalism. And I thought that was really fascinating. That's something that I advocate and, you know, uh, seizing opportunities, but also knowing what you want in life and kind of capitalizing on it. And I feel that's something that you did. And that's why part of the reason, other than the fact that I want to catch up with you is why I wanted to bring you on the podcast is this is what we do here, right? It's a platform to share your journeys, but also um, be a voice uh, for millennials, be a voice for people in our position that uh, want to be encouraged to kind of uh, sought out their dreams. So you've been an avid sports fan from as far as back as I remember, you know, on the bus, St. Elizabeth, you know, always talking about the NFL, uh, went way over my head, had no idea what anyone was talking about anytime sports came up. Uh, <laughs> so that's on my part. I'm guilty of that. But I've always admired the enthusiasm and passion, uh, as you can tell with me for how I see it in movies, I can relate to it, that others had um, for other areas in their life, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this change of profession, what I'm getting at is no surprise to me. So how were you first introduced to sports and which sport do you find to be your favorite? I was first introduced into sports. It's kind of like a family thing. All okay. my family members have kind of been into sports, either been athletes or coaches or something like that. And growing up, it was like 
all right, well, my grandmother watches the Blue Jays and the Raptors. My dad watches basically anything that he can watch. My mom will watch Toronto Raptors stuff and whatnot. So it was kind of like I grew up in that environment. And the only little difference with me is that I grew up a lot around motorsports. So I grew up watching Formula One and NASCAR basically my whole life. Yeah, And so it was really just kind of like a family thing that got me started. And in terms of my career path, it kind of just, it was one of those things that kind of fell in my lap because I had actually left the automotive industry before becoming sports journalist. I was laid off during the pandemic, but I was already planning to leave anyways. And so I had started to look at where I could potentially go because I had tried one of my other passions, video games, I'd gone into computer science. That didn't really pan out. Yeah, I remember that actually back in, you studied at university, you know? Yeah, I studied computer science at university. Right. And yeah, that didn't really pan out. And then, so I went back to school for automotive, did by about two, two and a half years in, in the industry. That didn't really pan out either. And so I figured, why not try my third, my third passion, which is sports. And so I ended up applying for this program at Centennial, which is... And, and at first I thought it was just like, oh, it's a four-year program. I was mentally prepared to go four years of school and then grow from there, end up finding out it's a postgraduate sports journalism program that has connections with TSN and Sportsnet. So that's kind of how that whole thing fell into place. It was kind of like, it kind of fell into my lap. I expected one thing and I got another. Wow. Uh, so yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of things to touch on that. First of all, you know, the fact that you found this passion of sports uh, was through your family, through being surrounded by the right environment. For me, that was with film, right? So I can relate mm-hmm. to that. Um, no one ever talked about sports in my household. So I think that's why it kind of uh, pushed me towards uh, this passion. But it makes sense, right? You know, I know your family, obviously, uh, you know, our sister's mutual friends and, um, you know, shout out to your mom, Therese. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, uh, they're all advocates of sports. So it would make sense why this is the natural path for you. Funny enough, when we were talking, um, cause I, I forgot about the whole computer science, uh, education you were pursuing. And I remember your dad, once me and my dad ran into your dad and he was explaining how you were in automotives. It was always funny to me because I'm like, but this guy was so passionate about sports, you know, like he was always talking about the NFL and obviously, you know, you could be passionate about sports and do other things in your life. Right. But I was always wondering like why, you kind of got into these different professions, right? So when you told me sports journalism, I said, yo, that clicks. Like that makes sense to me. Um, you're highly knowledgeable on it. You know, it's not something you, you consume, right? You provide commentary, you provide insights. I remember on that school bus, man, like you had a, so many opinions on players being drafted. Am I right about this? This is how I remember you. Yeah. Um, I've always been someone that never really looked at sports like as just on the surface. I always wanted to know more. I was like, I would look at a sport and I'd try to get as much information as I could out of it. That's a bit like, that's kind of ties into me who I am as a person. I'm a bit of an information sponge. I just love looking up stuff. So looking at sports a little bit differently and that kind of thing, and just kind of draws you in a lot more than if you would just look at it on the surface as a fan or whatnot. And that was something I always enjoyed. So when I got the chance to change careers, it almost sports journalism or something in sports almost felt perfect. Right. Now going back to automotives, right. Um, you were working on what, like tune-ups and things like that. Like, the yeah, I was, uh, I was basically a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, so not to pry and get personal, but I am curious, how does one lose their job in that profession during the pandemic? Is that, was that not a necessity, like to have mechanics on standby? Yeah, the thing is, is that the way the automotive industry is, is yeah. that like, it's very like, high, it, it's high demand, but also it can get very fickle when um, money changes. Right. So in the, course, in the course of pandemic with dealers closing and people like not really driving anywhere, not really needing to do anything with their cars, it became one of those things where you saw sales dip, you saw less traffic, so less money was coming in. So it was one of those instances where depending on where you sat in the company, you would get laid off whether it be temporarily or permanently. So right. it was one of those, it was one of those things where like dealers even had to close, like dealers would close temporarily because they'd like, okay, well, we're not going to get any traffic. There's no point in staying open. So we're just going to close. And that was, that was part of the thing, especially like at the very beginning in the early days of the pandemic, like March through June, March through July. Yeah. Where we weren't sure how things are going to go. And like, basically people were just indoors all the time. No yeah. One that makes working. sense. Yeah. No one was working. No one was going anywhere. Yeah. It kind of just like put a whole standstill in the entire industry. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a trickle down effect, right? Like it affects the different sectors of the economy. And then you wouldn't think, you know, mechanics, right. You're looking back, like, how is that possible? But it makes sense. Like when the pandemic hit those critical months, right. Between March and uh, June, I wasn't using my car at all to the point where my dad had to remind me, like, you know, start your car every day. Cause you know, if there's no fuel in it, like you can't have it stay like just sitting there. Right. Um, you yeah. have to have the juices flowing. You have to have the parts moving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it, it was just, uh, what was the point of using the car? So I can only imagine, um, you know, not having that traffic, uh, kind of come your way, um, during such a, uh, dire time. Yeah, for sure. Well, one door closes, another one opens, right? And I'm so happy to hear that you seize the opportunity. I really mean this because this is what we do on this podcast. And you are no stranger to this because you've been following and being highly supportive of my podcast. Um, I highly respect those that uh, kind of see, uh, you know, the opportunity in something else. And even for myself, right? Like I got out of like sales and marketing uh, just before the pandemic, um, not knowing there was going to be a pandemic. <laughs> so thinking to myself, you know, the world is my oyster. This is my time. When the pandemic hit, you know, it hit me right in the face saying, oh no, like I'm back at home. Like, what can I do? Because my job requires me to be out and interact and network. So my point being is that like with this podcast, right, is we make it our own. We find ways to uh, kind of brand ourselves, right? And market ourselves. So I really respect that about you, man. So I want to know now, like with this transition, obviously I know your family and, you know, uh, we have some mutual friends what was, was this highly supported? Was this something that uh, your parents were all for or were they saying, no, like you need to make money, you can't go back to school? How did this transpire, man? Well, it was like, it was highly supported for my family because my mom would always tell me, it's just less like, especially when the pandemic started, just be prepared to pivot because you never know what's going to happen. So with me already in the mindset of wanting to leave the industry, I was already prepared to probably have to go back to school, especially after the pandemic started. So the minute I 
lost my job, I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to take a month off and then I'm going to start searching. So I was fully supported in my transition and my parents could definitely tell that this was something I enjoyed a lot more and they would always comment about it. Makes sense, right? Even someone that doesn't live with you every day knows that it was a better <laughs> choice, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why I keep commending you on this, man, is let's be honest. Um, there's a lot of people that I run into uh, from our age group or, you know, uh, people that we might know mutually that they always tell me like, man, I wish I was doing this or I wish I was doing what you could do or I wish I was uh, pursuing my own hobbies or passions or whatever. And it's like, no one's stopping you, right? Like you're in, you're in, yeah, you have to continue working. That's fine, but you can make it work for yourself. Right. Um, and if you do really want to pursue it and go all in, like go all in, you know, but, uh, as time passes, right. It becomes more and more, um, of a more and more of a challenging situation, right. For them, uh, to kind of just drop everything. Right. Um, because you know, life gets in the way as they say, and, uh, there's more responsibilities, um, that arise. But um, the fact that you take, you kind of like, this is the best time to take that opportunity, right? Um, oh, yeah. Is to pursue uh, your passion. So for sure, man. So in, you know, establishing yourself in the sports journalist uh, industry, right? So you were explaining to me when we last connected that you graduated? Yeah, I graduated. Perfect. Graduating. I had the ceremony in June, but officially I was done in November last year. Amazing. So congratulations again. Um, Thanks. So I want to know so far, I know it's still fresh, but what are the biggest challenges so far, like in establishing yourself in this sports journalist in industry? It's really getting traction, getting your foot in the door, because mm -hmm. it's one of those industries where a lot of things are very internal. It's a lot of um, word of mouth kind of recommendations. Mm -hmm. And you really need like, like any other art, you need your portfolio that people need to look at. You need to provide examples of your work, um, examples of your reach. You need to be providing like, all right, what can you provide for me? What kind of exposure you can provide for me as a journalist when it comes to companies or industries or sports. And the more you bring to the table, the easier it is for you to get jobs, get work to do. And so it's kind of a balance of being able to market yourself and then understanding the industry and trying to keep up with it and then also keeping up with sports and stuff. So it's almost a 24-hour job, like really the only time you aren't really doing much yeah. is when you're sleeping. Yeah, that makes sense. And from what I can... Uh, takeaway from this is value and <laughs> what I can take away from this is value and relevance. Um, that's what you need to provide uh, if you want to differentiate yourself, but also break through in the industry. Um, they want to see you, like you said, as someone that uh, what can you provide, uh, bring to the table. And I guess the only way to succeed, this is why I kind of enjoy this conversation right now is because I'm relating it to film is it's not an eight, <laughs> nine to five job. It's oh, no. 24 hours, right? But it's easy for us because we're always involved in it, you know, like it's what we do. It's what we love, right? Like you're a sports guy. Like, of course, you're going to make it your life. You know, you're going to be consumed by it. And I'm in film. Film is part of me. I'm always researching, you know, reviews. I'm always listening to people's takes on things, whether it's for entertainment purposes or educational. So when you per select your passion, when you select your lifetime career, uh, be very mindful of where your heart resides, right? I think that's very important because like you said, man, you, you said it 
well put is it's 24 hours. <laughs> There's no sleep. Uh, and when you are sleeping, uh, that's the only time you're breaking away from it. But even when you are sleeping, I should mention, you're still dreaming about it, right? I don't know about you, but I'm still, yeah. I'm still, I'm still thinking sure. about films. I like, you're probably still thinking about sports plays and everything, you know? Yeah, for sure. Highlights, right? So love it. Love that you found your calling. Um, now, which gets me into, you know, uh, something that I greatly enjoy discussing on this podcast, uh, the concept of utilizing social media, to brand and market yourself within your respective industry. So this is very important, especially for our age group, as you know, Anthony, uh, millennials. Um, initially, people thought these platforms were gimmicks, uh, which then transitioned to tools and now have become, for many people, livelihoods, which is quite insane to me still so, yeah. uh, that people are making money off of it. But it's true, right? Um, and I've respected the evolutionary process of this technology only recently um, and I'll and undoubtedly understand the power and its potential to exhibit and monetize my own artistry. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not at that level yet where I'm making money off of what I post, um, but it's something that I realized, you know, it can definitely happen uh, the more you uh, persist and the, as consistent as you are. And just proven like by someone like yourself, really, I mean this, like bumping into you, you know, the way you revered the podcast. Um, again, you're one kind of viewer, but I didn't tell you to view it. I didn't connect with you on it. I just kind of put it out there and you found it and you enjoyed it and you multiply that by a thousand, hundred thousand and you got yourself a fan base. <laughs> so that's, that's something that I kind of uh, keep in mind when it comes to social media, like basically the, the potential of it. Um, what is your relationship with using social media? For me, I, I enjoy it. I found ways to kind of, make it an enjoyable experience because a lot of people a lot of people I talk to about social media they're like well it's not that great it's damaging it's very toxic and stuff but especially from going through journalism school where they had like a whole social media course and everything right the one thing I've learned is that social media is only as bad as what you allow to be seen like there yeah. are things that are going to pop up that you may not like but then but now they have ways for you to kind of filter to what you want to see. And so if you can create a, for the normal view, if you can create a, an, a feed or a system where you're getting quality information or entertaining information that isn't something where it's like, oh, it's detrimental to you or the people around you, then social media is fantastic. And that's kind of the way I see it. So is, as a consumer, that's how I see it. I, I think it's fantastic. And I'm learning right now to be a little bit more consistent when it comes to uploading stuff, because that's always been my biggest Achilles heel when it comes to social media, is that my ability to have a content schedule has always been almost non-existent. So it's something I'm continuing to learn, but I think social media is one of the greatest tools we've ever created. And it's sad to see that people have kind of not only tarnished a reputation, but not really been taught how to properly use it. Yeah. And that's what you said, right? Like, uh, there's no other way to put it. It's uh, what, how you see it, right? How you view it. Um, that's the limits that it'll go, right? Um, if you're going to always see it as something that's a negative tool, that's something that's dampering on your mental health that's always how it's going to be presented to you. And I'm guilty of that, you know, like before the pandemic, man, like I hated social media. I had it for various reasons, whether it was friends, you know, past relationships, things like that. Um, you know how it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I never really used it for what 
I believe it was meant to be. And that is to market yourself, brand yourself. You know, you could be that guy or that girl and showcase, you know, the nightlife and you going out and having a good time with friends and not, you know, uh, to ridicule that, you know, that's fine. But that's just not me. And that's not you, right? Like we're creative people. We're people that are part of uh, sports, the arts. Um, and we can leverage that and use it to our advantage. Um, and that's what I mean by like, instead of viewing it, the way I looked at it, man, is instead of consuming the content, why don't I participate in it, you know, and that actually helped combat a lot of the times I felt anxious or depressed in like viewing uh, social media at, to such an extent that it affected my mental health. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's me being transparent. Right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I was never bothered by it. It's like we're humans. Right. Like social media um, has a knack for, you know, playing tricks on our on our brain. I'm like the grass is always green on the other side. Um, but we utilize, we need to find avenues. We need to find ways to make it work for ourselves. And that's what I was mentioning at the beginning of the podcast, right? It's like, you know, something happened in the pandemic, right? But instead of wallowing in your pity, you did something about it. It's like, okay, let me go back to school for something that I enjoy, right? One door closes, another one opens, right? Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason why I started the podcast too, right? It's like, want to connect with people because during the pandemic, I was very sad that I was always at home. And then it's like, hey, this is a great way to connect with people and see what they're, what everyone's doing, what they're all about. And it uh, blossomed to what it was, right? Got me to connect with you. So mm -hmm. really appreciate that you have an optimistic um, kind of relationship with it because I asked that because I was looking at your page and I'm like, yeah, he's post pretty consistent, like not maybe as consistent, but you know, you're, you're pretty relevant on the platform. It's not like you've completely abandoned it. Um, but I am going to ask for this one right for sports journalism do you intend to use a platform as a way of leveraging your career uh well, in this new yeah role? oh for sure um yeah. i feel like right now the way sports journalism is going um it's that to be a good journalist whether whether it's like you're into um, broadcast or you're into written and digital you need some form of social media to be able to not only promote yourself but to create a connection. Because if you have a connection with the people that you're writing to, then it feel it doesn't feel like you're just putting words on a page. It means yeah. it feels like you're telling a it's better telling a storytelling that way. So you have if you have that connection, if you if you have that fan base really that kind of appreciates what you're writing and then that you can help grow and spread your work to more, then that's more people that can read that story that you're trying to tell. Absolutely, man. And uh, you have the right attitude for it because I, part of that question was uh, being inquisitive, but also testing. <laughs> I wanted to see like where your mind was at because um, mm -hmm. with sports journalism, yeah, you have to be documenting all the time. Um, you have to be providing your commentary like you did on the bus and people want to see that. And then you have to see what works for you again, right? Are you a verbal guy, right? Are you written? Or do you enjoy visuals? Are you going to be on camera? And I could see you doing that too, right? You're a very charismatic guy um, with an interesting personality, right? So it's like mm -hmm. you could definitely provide insights um, or highlights on the game and things like that. Yeah. So um, that's really cool, man. I'm glad you have that mindset. Uh, what do you believe is the biggest challenge in being able to market yourself though? I would say confidence. And the reason I say that is because like, especially for someone like me who as much as I do speak a lot, I'm a lot more introverted and can have issues with self-confidence. Right. Is that 
once you get over that hurdle of confidence and you allow yourself to be yourself on social media and don't feel like you have to put up some kind of persona or some kind of image of yourself, then it's just really easy. You can just put the story that you want to put out there to the masses and whether or not it gains traction, it becomes almost irrelevant because it's only relevant in the point of a marketing standpoint. You only look at the numbers from a marketing standpoint and not a standpoint of, oh, nobody's watching, maybe I'm not good enough. So you only see it from a standpoint where it can be constructive and not destructive. So I think your biggest challenge for social media is confidence. And one, once you overcome that hurdle of confidence and self-confidence and being comfortable in who you are as a person, I feel like social media becomes a lot easier. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Confidence. I, I love what that you said that point. It's something that I feel a lot of people, if not everyone struggles with um, because people specialize in certain things, right? People are confident um, depending on what they are accustomed to, right? Or familiar with. But I think that speaks to the character of the person if they choose to do something that's different. Um, that's something that's outside of their comfort zone. Um, kind of like yourself, right? Like with social media, like if you were to get on, start uh, vlogging and just talk to the camera and say, hey, this is how I felt about last night's Raptors game. You know, this is how so-and-so played, whatever. That That's a huge step for you uh, because we haven't seen you on camera. You've never done something like that. Um, and anyone that judges you clearly is missing the whole point the whole purpose of having confidence <laughs> is it's not knowing that uh, you're the shit. It's not thinking, you know, you uh, have the bravery. It's doing it anyway, even if you, you don't have it within you, right? That's confidence. It's showing up. That's what I always tell people. So yeah, definitely, man. We have the right attitude for that. And that's something I was searching for because I'm always curious about people, like how they view marketing themselves. Like, is it thinking creatively? Is it, you know, execution? Um but I think really it's confidence, you know, to put yourself out there. Cause I think back to like when I was first putting my content out there and I, I'll be honest, man, like, even though I still did it, I was very hesitant. I was very skeptical because I would hear like people saying, Oh my God, he's posting too much. Or like, what is this garbage? Like TikTok videos. But I was really just finding myself. And I think I only would get to this point in my career, which I'm not even close to what I envisioned if I didn't just take the chance. Right. Like you say, just take the chance to be confident. Right. So it all starts from there. Great point. Anthony. <laughs> uh, so yes. So aside from your passion for sports and your newfound career in sports journalism, uh, you have an automotive hobby. Uh, if you look at your Instagram, <laughs> everything yeah. is related to cars, motorsports, right? Uh, I love it. Uh, if I ever do a movie related to cars, <laughs> you'll definitely be a consultant <laughs> on set to make sure I'm accurate. Um, no, but seriously, man, from showcasing your highlight reels of Formula One races to sharing various photos of street racing type vehicles, uh, it appears to be an obsession that never died, right? Um, so I want to know from you, like, why do you enjoy this automotive hobby so much? For me, it's, it's multiple reasons. Like, when it comes to, like, car modification, for me, I've always enjoyed it because it's another form of self-expression. Right. And, and I feel like that part gets lost a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, oh, why are you spending all this money on your car? Well, for me, like a, a painter has a canvas. For me, my car is my canvas. And it's my form of self-expression modifying my car how I like. Hmm. Now, the tricky part about that is staying within the, the laws and the rules and, and whatnot. But 
when it comes to my love of uh, my love of cars, my love of automotive, it's something that has just kind of like, along with sports, it's one thing that's also kind of been there since I was really young. Like one of the first games I ever got um, in terms of video games was Grand Turismo 3. And that, that's what kind of really started it. I, I was just going to say, that was my experience too with race card. With my first yeah. game, PS2, right? PlayStation? Yeah, I play a PS2. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. And so I got that and that's where that snowball really started. Right. And then from there, I started watching NASCAR, started watching Formula One and then the Fast and Furious series happened. And then yeah. so it had it created kind of like this whole love of cars. Not only do I love cars and motorsports and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's also a potential career path for me. So right. it's something that I've just continue to get more information on and I've always loved and I think I'll just continue to love as I get older. Yeah, no, that's great. And, uh, you know, touching on the fact that you said uh, you see it as a career opportunity, right? That's what I was going to ask you is, do you intend to use sports journalism uh, to document and provide commentary on professional sport racing? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I had in school, my program coordinator, like wanted, basically wanted me to get into motorsports and I did have a couple opportunities for school placement down in the States, but oh, wow. they weren't really the greatest options for me. So I chose to stay on this side of the border, yeah. but it's something I definitely hope that I can get into and be a part of because as much as I've loved it for so long, it'd be even better to be like, all right, I'm surrounded by my passion and I'm getting paid for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And that makes sense why you pursued, you know, automotives to begin with, like you're a mechanic and uh, there's still time, right. To kind of merge the two passions, right. Like it doesn't have to always be, I need to study, you know, cars um, to pursue that path. It's trying to find a way to integrate the two worlds uh, that you created um, and you're doing it right now. Right. Even, and you're not getting paid for it. Right. I always see like formula one clips or your yeah, perspective all, on certain races. Yeah. I'm always trying to basically just, put myself out there when it comes to motorsport yeah. and then kind of creating, helping to create that portfolio. And then hopefully it'll lead to something further down the line, but it's one post at a time, really. hundred percent, man. No, it's uh, it all starts with the right attitude and the right confidence, right? Which is what you have. So I'm really uh, excited for you, man. I mean that um, there's a lot of potential here. Uh, you just graduated. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, looking forward to seeing the progress and the growth. Um, so before we leave off, I want to know from you, what kind of stories from the sports industry do you desire to tell most and ensure they leave a lasting impact for readers? It all depends. For me, especially when it comes to motorsports, I love to, to hear and to talk about the stories of those that had to work to make it because yeah. Motorsports is the most expensive sport in the world, and it's getting more expensive with every year to the point now where there's a lot of people with talent that are being left on the sidelines because they just simply don't have the money for it. And but isn't that what sponsors are for? Like, what explain why it's like so expensive? Well, with the cost of things going up every year, mm-hmm. it's really taking a toll on motorsports because it was always already expensive, right? just like providing a numbers example 
back in the early 2000s when you had guys like Paul DeResta, Lewis Hamilton, and those coming up through junior formula, the entry level um, racing series would cost you about in their, in their currency, about a hundred thousand pounds wow. for, for the entire year. It's a lot, but it was something that the middle-aged family could obtain if they worked hard enough. Right. And if you put in enough work, you could do it. Like Lewis Hamilton's father, Anthony worked like four jobs to be able to get him through. Oh my God. They're that dedicated. Yeah. He worked like four jobs to get him through karting and get him through like his early junior formula days until he was sponsored or sponsored by McLaren. And he got all his other individual sponsorships throughout his career as he got better. But now the same entry level, you're looking at about 600,000 euros for the entire year. Holy shit. So just to participate, (laughs) just to participate for one whole year. And, and you don't know how well that year is going to be for you. And there's no guarantee on return, right? There's no guarantee on return. So it's like with these price increases happening, drivers from wealthy backgrounds, or they've come from countries where like they were like a superstar in their country. So they got a whole bunch of funding from there. Right. And then they move over to like Europe or North America and they have that backing from their home country. Right. Those are the guys that are kind of making it right now. And the guys that are extremely talented, but the funds aren't as consistent or as reliable. There is a chance that they get left behind. Wow. And we don't know how many future world champions we're losing because of the expense of motorsports. And so telling the stories of guys like Lewis Hamilton or guys like Pierre Gasly, who came from middle-aged families and wound up making it to Formula One, even as the cost of things got more and more, those kinds of stories are great to tell. But I also would love to be able to tell the stories of those that are trying to make their way. Like women in motorsport would be excellent stories for me to tell because I feel like of all the things that women have been un, like incorrectly kind of pushed away from, I think motorsport right. is one of the things where it's like there really, there really is no reason because women can drive cars just as well as men can in, in, those, in those instances. And there have been women across history that have proved it. Wow. And I, so... I, I didn't even know there was any woman. See, like, that's why it would be a noble cause, right? Like to kind of uh, promote that. Because they're the number of them over history that have driven in the big series is so small. Right. That like they stick out like sore thumbs. And while it may take a lot, a long time for it to become the norm, I feel like just being able to, have the conversation of, okay, can we do this? Can we put a woman, let's say in Formula One or NASCAR or an IndyCar and have them put them in a place where they can succeed and not just put them in a spot where it's like, oh, well, you're here. That's good enough. And telling those stories and being able to provide the stories of women in motorsport, whether it's from behind the wheel 
or behind the scenes would be something that'd be really cool for me to do. Awesome. Yeah. You uh, have some causes that a lot of people can get behind. Um, a lot of good intentions right there, uh, especially in removing the discrimination, right? The stigma of female versus male drivers and things like that. Um, it's so important, right? Like, especially for anything that doesn't require a physical performance, like why wouldn't a female be able to drive, you know what I mean? And compete with a man, mm -hmm. right? It, it, really, it's all based on intelligence, right? Yeah. As and much how, as there is yeah. a physical aspect to motorsports, I feel that women can still do it. They've proved that they can. And so, but you know what I mean? Like compared and compared mm -hmm. to like, you're not going to get a woman that's going to go up against LeBron James. Like it's a different, like physical kind of demand. Right. Yeah. And I think that's to get a little bit off topic. I think that's the thing with women in sports in general is that a lot of people see women in sports and try to compare it to the male, to their male counterparts where right. you should be looking at it as something completely different i'll take the nba and wnba for example for sure. because both have two completely different play styles that should be appreciated so the nba has its athleticism it has its great players and yes there's team play within it but there's a lot of times where teams can do well off the back of one player yep and while you can still see the same thing in the wnba mm-hmm where there is that athleticism and athleticism in the men's game the women's game focuses more on the fundamentals of basketball and mm. that's where i feel that people saying oh well they can't dunk or it's not that entertaining because they're not as athletic yeah we're missing out on the fact that the wnba is heavy fundamental basketball and it should be appreciated as such. And that's how you, people should really look at men's versus women's sports because there are those differences that should be appreciated. Yes, yes. No, I, I, and I appreciate you uh, giving an eye-opener for that because, again, I'm willing to see, you know what I mean, uh, diversity. I'm willing to see, uh, you know, inclusion for sure. I'm just looking at it as a perspective, I guess, from majority of people, how they see sports. Right. Um, mm -hmm. cause you were, you were mentioning how like women drivers, um, compared with men, uh, should be a reasonable, shouldn't even be compared. It just should be, uh, something that should be, uh, considered, um, you know, in the same category. And I agree with you on that. Right. Um, it's just like a female director. Like, I know that's completely different topics, but, um, I remember a woman saying like, I shouldn't be, shouldn't even be asked, you know, why am I a female director? It should be like, why did you choose to become a director? My whole thing is I'm acknowledging kind of what society sees it as, you know, how did you end up in this profession in a male? That's something that was male dominated. Right. Um, but I kind of really appreciate what you were saying about um, the NBA versus the WNBA. Cause I don't look it into it that deep um, as someone that's not an avid sports fan. Right. I'm more into my movies, but I can see your point. Um, when you watch the games, you're not looking at it as like, oh, that woman can't do what that man can do, right? It's more like, no, these guys are playing with strategy and fundamentals of basketball. And this game is, uh, you know, there's one guy's carrying the whole team kind of thing, um, which you can't, what you're saying is not, does not happen, um, if not at all, with a woman's team. Well, it can happen and it has, but it's, right. it's, it's more of like this two styles of basketball are different where, where, the NBA guys can really just kind of lean on their athleticism a lot more. Right. Whereas in the WNBA, they lean on the fundamentals of basketball. 
to achieve the same goals. Okay. That makes sense. Like the, the study of the game you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The study of the game, mm-hmm. almost like chess. Like you can't just rely on your athleticism to win at chess. <laughs> exactly. You gotta, have, you, you gotta like be sharp and yeah. Okay. I understand. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. I'll probably see the games differently now if I ever tune in, uh, based on what you were saying, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely for it. If you can bring that energy, um, and definitely a lot of people are behind that cause you should definitely uh, eradicate any discrimination um, between a man and a woman, because they should be able to, to compete in the same sport, especially in my opinion for racing, right. One that you don't even know who's behind the wheel. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's kind of like, why would you discriminate in the first place? Like not that you should, but um, in that kind of a sport, I can see, I can't see why a woman can't compete as well. And not until you brought it up, I didn't even know, um there were that many women competing um because you're right when you turn on the tv you just see a lot of male competitors right if not all of them are so mm-hmm. that's a very interesting take man i love that um and that's important because you have a purpose right what you're doing you're not like saying oh no i just love watching the boston celtics <laughs> it's like no, you you have something that you want to follow right you want to kind of uh advocate to the world um advocate for, sure. for change right Great, man. Well, this was a pleasant conversation. Very insightful, Anthony Bruno. Um, I'm really happy I brought you on the podcast. Uh, when we first connected, you were, we were kind of like unsure, like what we're going to talk about. And we're just like, hey, you know what? Uh, you're pursuing uh, journalism. You're pursuing sports, something that you love. This is a great way to talk about your journey. And I've learned a lot from you today. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you having me, man. It was an honor. Of course. Thank you so much, Anthony Bruno coming on the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk soon.